Today's Ches. We're continuing the discussion of the Kuba Da'ara. So the Kuba Da'ara was instead of uh, instead of pouring the, the batter inside of a of a proper mold, it was poured really in just a hole in a crevice on the top of the stove. And uh, because of that, it was looser, it was softer, but it still was able to take uh, some form. So the Gemara determined yesterday that it's obligated in chal. It's obligated in chal because it's considered to be bread-like, it's considered to have a form, it's not completely pourable, uh, has some form, and therefore it is considered halakhically bread. So the Gemara continues that discussion today, top line. What is the law regarding bracha for this kuba Are you of the opinion that it is bread? It is just a snack. So the Gemara is introducing to us a new concept that something could be bread, and it's not a, it's not a problem to classify it as bread and still say that it's mizonos. It totally is bread. There's no question that it's bread. There's no question it's chayv and chal. But the fact that it's a little bit softer, the batter, it makes that people usually are not making it the staple of their meal. People usually are eating it as a snack. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, randomly someone's eating it as a snack. It means that because of the softness in the batter, the fact that it's a little bit softer, even though it has the form of bread, it's usually made more like pastry-like and people end up snacking on it more. So because of the fact that people, societies, ends up snacking on it more, the Gemara is telling us that in Hilchos Brachos, therefore, the law is that you make them as owners. However, says the Gemara, Marzutra personally, when he would make a suda out of it, then he would in fact wash and bench fully. So we get a very mixed, a mixed review here. Right? We have an idea that it, it, it is bread, certainly chayv and chala, because it's made to be more of a snack-like, it's more of a pastry-like thing, therefore to, usually the brachos mizonos. But if one is ever in a situation where they are making it a meal, then they in fact wash and bench over it. A person could use this kuvla da'ara uh, to fulfill their obligation of matzah on Pesach. Because it certainly is bread. So it is bread, it's chayv and chala, it's made more of a snack-like thing, it's pastry-like, and therefore it's not made to be a staple of the meal, and, and usually it's mizonos, but if you do make a meal, there's no question that you make hamotzi, and it certainly is satisfactory for lechem oni on uh, Pesach. Says the Gemara, Amar Mabar Avashi, Hai Tuvshud Tamri. Tuvshud Tamri means honey that comes out of dates. So the truth is that the Gemara is giving this example, but it's really more of a broad discussion. Basically, fruit juices. Fruit juices are the bracha is shahakal. My timer, what is the reason? When we say what is the reason, we're really asking a question. We're asking, who said that there's a real change in the form? And we even mentioned that the bracha on olive oil is ha'etz, because since the olives are made to squeeze, then uh, we consider that the pre, the pre is still in its intact form when it's squeezed, and we view the olive it's just a representation of the pre itself. But the Gemara is saying for most fruit juices, the halacha is not like that. So for example, honey that comes out of dates is considered shahakal. My time is just a little bit of sweat. A little bit of sweat means this is not the pre, this is not that same article, it's not the same chaf, so it's considered something completely different. Says the Gemara, Kiman, Kiai Tan, we're going like the following Tan, it says in a Mishnah, Mishnah and Trumas. So we have a few things here. First one is our case, the date that comes out of the, the honey coming out of dates, or a little bit of yine coming out of apples, or even the vinegar produced by super unripe but not good grapes, ushar may appear, shoshuma, or all other examples of fruit juices that have truma, Rabbi Lazar Makayo Chayim Rakomash, Rabbi Shua Poter. It's a machlokas in the Tanoam. If a czar comes along and let's say drinks the honey from a date that was truma, whether the czar is obligated to pay back the principal and an extra fifth to the coin. Now, the law is that whenever he eats the truma of the coin, he has to pay back the principal and an extra fifth. So, really, the question that Rabbi Lazar 
and Rabbi Yeshua are discussing are is are the fruit juices considered still the truma? The truma was the was the pre. Now you have the juice of the pre. So Rabbi Lazar is saying that the juice of the pre is considered to be the pre. So he's Machai of the Karen and the Chomish. Rabbi Yeshua completely exempts. You didn't take away the truma. You didn't drink the truma. You drink the sweat of the truma, which isn't truma. It's not that it's a completely different thing. So there's no Karen or Chomish. So the Gemara is saying that we follow always Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yeshua, Halach is like Rabbi Yeshua. So we have a precedent now that in the laws of Brachos, the fruit juices should be Shahakal and not Bore Priyayats. Continues the Gemara, Amr Leahu Me'arbanan Lerava, Tarima Mai. What about Tarima? Now, eventually, the Gemara is going to tell us that Tarima is, instead of being a juice, it's considered more of like a mashed up fruit. But the Gemara, it takes the Gemara a little bit just to know what the words mean. He didn't know what the word Tarima was. He didn't understand what was being asked. Yes, Rabina coming to Rava, you're sitting in front of Rava. Maybe you're talking about. Uh, says sesame, some of the oils coming out of sesame, or the courts may come, and what are talking about? Rashi explains it was like some sort of, um, some sort of, actually, the word Rashi uses actually is translated in English as saffron, uh, and they would add some of it as like, and put it into wine. Wine, a saffron was often used a lot of times in coloring in the Gemara, whenever the Gemara talks about like Sovea and Shabbos, the Gemara talks about the saffron. Um, oh, is the second possibility? Oh, the Sorfani Kamen. Or perhaps, it's some sort of crushing of grapes, the buds of grapes that they would mix with some water and it would end up being something more like a wine-like drink. So we had all different sorts of possibilities about what the question was. But eventually the Gemara clarifies, no, 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 no. Let's focus on what it really is. figured out, Ah, you're talking about the chashisla. And the chashisla, the Gemara now clarifies what it is. If a person has some dates of truma, you're allowed to turn them into this truma. Truma, into truma. Truma is like more of like a paste-like thing. Like you smear, basically. You take the, the dates and you crush it a little bit and it makes up like some sort of like a date paste. So you know, it's not like a honey of a truma. It's forbidden to take date of a truma and make it into honey. Why? Because you're being mafsid the truma. You're being you're wasting the truma because you're taking something that's truma and you're creating a product that's not truma. So that's forbidden to do. That's hefsid of truma. But to take the date and to make it into the truma where it's a mashed date and now it has like a date paste, that's okay. However, also you can't use it to make beer. Beer would be, they used to make dates. Dates was the main ingredient for the beer back then. So to turn it into beer or some sort of drink that functions with, with the original source coming from dates, that's forbidden. That's have truma. That's wasting the truma because the, the, that's not going to be considered a date anymore. And however, if you're taking it into a date pace, that is okay. So the Gemara therefore is, is, is associating the two halachos. So to here, if somebody's making like some sort of paste or mashing up some sort of fruit, then we're able to say, that in fact it's, it, it would still be bar periods. And the Gemara in fact rules that way. The Hilchas Atamri of Dino Trima, somebody took a date and made it into Trima and Barakal Abba The Barakal is still Bare Periha. Eight, my time, what is the reason? It's still in its original intact form. However, the post do tell us an interesting Svara that it has to have still the recognition that it came from that fruit. So that makes a lot of complicated questions. Uh, things like uh, apple sauces and the like are a discussion based upon the conclusion of the Gemara. So our, our takeaway here is that fruit juices, the juices themselves are considered zea with the exception of olives and uh, wine. Things, uh, other, fruit juices, other fruit juices are considered zea and they are shahakal. However, mashed up fruits themselves, uh, the Gemara is ruling is uh, eights. However, we will revisit this discussion one da from now. We really have only learned half of it and we'll see it's actually a lot more complex. Says the Gemara, Shisisa. What's with Shisisa? So Rashi says that it was a sweeter sort of flower. 
uh, they were very evidently made with the, 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 the kernels that they would process and turn into flour. It was a lot, was a lot moister, a lot fresher, so the, the flour ended up being much sweeter. And because it was a sweeter one, they wouldn't make it into bread, but they would mix it with all other oils and, and, and honeys and other types of dish, and other stuff of ingredients and would be called shisisa. So, Rav Amar Shachol Nibet Rav Shmuel Barim Mizonah. So, well, it's got flour, and yet Rav ah, Rav is still saying it's Shachol, and Shmuel says it's Mizonah. So, what's Pshat on Rav? I mean, especially we learned yesterday, we came out that uh, any time a Mizonah is in a, is in a mixture, even if it's a, it seems to be a minority, the Rav is always Mizonah. So, why would Rav say Shachol? So, the Gemara quickly clarifies. Amar Rav Chista Velopligi. In truth, there's not even a dispute between Rav and Shmuel. They're just talking about two different types of shizizas. Haba Ava Haba Raka. This is with a thick one, a thick one. This is what a this is what a loose one. And the Gemara elaborates. Ava the Lachila. The thick one is, is something people eat. It's made to eat. So because it's made to eat and it's got flour in it, there's no question as mizonas. However, raka, this soft, loose one, it's more of a drink. And what it is, since it's looser, I mean, I can't say since it's looser, looser, but when people needed it for medicine, it was considered good for medicine, they would make it in a looser way. And that's the way they would market it more as a medicine. And since the Gemara is telling us a rule, since it's being made as a medicine, then the bracha is not mizonus, despite the fact that there's a mizonus ingredient in it. And it's an interesting new rule. That still, the halacha is that the bracha is not mizonus. Whenever the, the it's not being made for the food itself, but it's being made to be used in medicine, even though there's hanah, but the bracha is not mizonus. The bracha is only shachal. So Rav was talking about the thick shisisa, which was made to be more of a food, so that the bracha is mizonus. Here we're talking about more of a, a of a drink, which is made l'rafua, and that one is only shachal. So the Gemara says, I can't hear. So, so yes, the Gemara is going to Mamish get to it in, in thirty seconds. But the answer is yes. If you're having if you're having hanaf from it, you still make a bracha. Because the medicine, even as a medicine, correct. Sure. Says the Gemara, Shabbos Everyone agrees that you can mix up the shasus and Shabbos. So we're just one more of an introduction as we discussed. You're not because of the malach of token of grinding. Chazal legislated that you're not allowed to do any refuah related activities on Shabbos. However, Rabbi Yosef still says you're allowed to mix up the shasas on Shabbos. You can drink some sort of zesum hamitri. It's not for us, but uh, that was some sort of thing, which is uh, kind of like a half medicine, half drink. And we allow you to, uh, to drink that on Shabbos. But anyways, it says that you're allowed to prepare the shasas on Shabbos. If it's true that we're saying the shasas is used in medicine, are you allowed to do something on Shabbos that's for medicine? You're not allowed to. So what's going on? This should prove that Shabbos is not considered a medicine. If it's not considered a medicine, then why isn't it Mizonos? What's going on? Do you not hold that that's true? I'll prove to you that it's not so black and white that anything that is used as medicine is also on Shabbos. Look at the rule of the Mishnah. If there is something that is a food or a drink, and then what the Mishnah is saying, and this is important to understand a little bit in Seder Pshah, it's difficult, but if it's something which at times is eaten or drinking even when people are not sick, then even though the intent of the person is for medicine, they're allowed to use it on Shabbos. It, the basic idea here is that it's a lamdashik kind of din. The Chazal said you can't do a maisa refuah. You can do anything that's a maisa achila, you can't do a maisa refuah. Well, how do I define what's a maisa achila versus a maisa refuah? It's obviously such a thin line, right? Medicines we eat. So but the, the idea is that if it's something that at times people will eat, even when they're not sick, then it's not defined, it's not categorized as a maisa refuah. And if it's not categorized as a maisa refuah, you can do it even if you're intending to, uh, to, to, to eat or drink, which is a tremendous novelty. And that's to even understand that's what the Mishnah means. But it seems like I'm saying it over the way it seems like the Gemara in Brachos understands the Mishnah. So you see you're allowed to do that. 
Omer, how can you understand that? Because someone who sees will touch it up. The, the, what seems to be taking place is that a person is eating. And even if he's really going Chazal is still okay with it because the uptight in the Maisa, what we define is actually happening is that the person is eating. So to in our case, with the Shisisa, yes, most times it's used for medicine. And yes, because most times it's used for medicine, someone taking it for medicine would only say a Shahakol, but you're still allowed to use it on Shabbos because the person, the uptight in the Maisa is that the person is going for Achila, even though in their mind they're doing it, they're doing it L'Refua. So it leaves us, if this is the takeaway in the Gemara, and then even uses different words to express the same idea. And the person's going for Achila. The Rafua comes by itself. Meaning, you don't even have to say, and this is where it's interesting, it doesn't even have to say if someone is, thinks that the person is doing it l'achila. Even if it appears that he's doing it l'rafua, but it appears that he's going to eat, and the rafua comes naturally. Meaning, there are certain types of medicines where you say, the person is taking rafua. There are certain types of medicines where you say, the person is coming to eat, and afterwards then he gets healed. So it's not even relevant why he is doing it. It's more the point, be'etzem, that's just essentially, the maisa is a maisa achila. So, so too, that's why we allow him to drink the, uh, to prepare and to drink the, the Shasisa on Shabbos, because it's really a Maisa Akhil and the Rafua is just coming by itself. So the Gemara, therefore, is taking away that, yes, it's true, it's, a, it's, it's usually made to be a medicine, and yes, it's true that, therefore, the Bracha is Shahakal, but that doesn't preclude the possibility of preparing it and drinking it on Shabbos, because it's not a direct, explicit Maisa Rafua. That's the takeaway of the Gemara. So this question has been raised, some fascinating questions in Ocho Shabbos based upon this Gemara, just to give an interesting example uh, something I was talking about like something like Tums if a person has heartburn most postkim do not allow a person with heartburn to take Tums on Shabbos they consider it to be a Maisa Rafua. however some have made the argument that well you see that today you know people are taking Tums even without heartburn that may not be the main reason Tums are taking but for example they have a lot of calcium and it's a Maisa Achila a lot of times people eat it and they taste so good and as we discussed you probably should be making a bracha on Tums so at any rate perhaps you can make the very similar argument that it's, it's a Maisa Achila and even though a person is going Rafua, but it's still bad Maybe hold of that argument, maybe hold it's wrong. But to show where it comes from in the Gemara, it's a very good thing. It's not so clear in Hilchos Shabbos how to define a Maisa Rafua. So if you're having chicken soup for Rafua, that's for sure, mother. For sure, that's a great example. That 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 that's not even a, not in a good way, Abe. That's not even a chiddush because because there the pshat is not made for eating. Happens to be it's good for you. We're talking even a bigger chiddush. Things that are made, tums are made for heartburn. But if the bottom line is that times people eat them themselves, the shisisa is made for refuah, and that's why the bracha shahakal. But since the bottom line is is that it's not a, the uptight is not an explicit ma'aser refuah because at times it's eaten, it's there for mutter. So now the gemara gets to what Michael wanted to know. The gemara says, "What's Once I see such a thing, what was even the chiddush? Rav Shmuel were teaching us a chiddush when they said that the bracha shahakal. Why? Because someone could have said, if you're doing it for medicine, so you're not coming to derive. So the only reason, remember, why do we make brachos? We make brachos because logically a person should make a bracha when they're coming to derive hana from something that Hashem gave. But if they're taking refuah, so they're not taking hana. They're not coming to derive hana. So maybe there shouldn't be a bracha at all. Maybe you don't even need a shahakal. Kamash from that's not true. The bottom line is, even if your intent is to go for medicine, but if you are deriving pleasure, the shisisa does taste good. Even the loose, the loose one, it definitely still uh, warrants a bracha. Says the Gemara Vaita. The language in the Mishnah was that when a person is eating bread, the correct bracha is ha-motzi. 
So Hamotzi. So everybody, the Gemara now elaborates that that's not such a clear that that's the text. Tanar Abanu Ma'u Omer. What's the right Nusach of the Bracha? Hamotzi Lechem Mamotzi Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz. The Tanakama says it's Hamotzi with a hey. Rabbi Nechemia Omer Motzi Lechem in Aretz without the hey. So just one word of introduction. Motzi Lechem in Aretz. We need to praise Hashem for what He has done in the past tense, not for what He does in the present or what He will do. The key is to is to highlight the past tense that this bread was performed. Hashem made this bread come out. So the Gemara now clarifies that Amar Rava, everybody agrees that motzi without the A implies past tense and that it is acceptable for a bracha. Motzi is for sure good. We see by Bilam's brachas, it says in the Pasuk, that Hashem is the God motzi amimitzrayim, who took them out in the past. So motzi definitely is mashma in the past and it's acceptable for the bracha. Where do they argue? The motzi. The question is in the grammar here. Rabbanon say hamotzi is also past tense because we see that Moshe was talking about what Hashem did for them in the desert, and he said Hashem took out in the past water from a rock to provide you with your drink. So hamotzi also means the past. For Rabbi Nechemia Omar, hamotzi the mapik mashma. No, hamotzi is mashma the future. Shenemar, as it says, Moshe was talking to the Jews in Mitzrayim before they were freed, and Moshe said to them, hamotzi es chamitachas elos Mitzrayim, that Hashem is the one who will take you out from under the slavery. So we see that hamotzi is talking about the future. So therefore, it's not a correct bracha. Rabbi Nechemia is saying hamotzi does not mean the past. Hamotzi means the future. Says the Gemara for Rabbanon, how do the rabbis who say that Hamotzi means the past as well, how do they respond to that proof? This is what Hashem was telling to the Jews. Once I take you out, I'll do something for you then, after I take you out, then that you'll realize, I know that it was really Hashem who was taking out Hamotzi. So let's try to take a look at the Pasuk to actually understand what the Gemara is saying. If you look at the Pasuk, it says, Right before, I'm going to take you out. I'll be a God. You'll know I'm Hashem who took you out. So what the Rabbanon are saying is don't chop off the last phrase and just say Hashem will take you out. That's not what the Pasuk is saying. The Pasuk is saying, what, we're talking about a futurist story. Something that's going to happen to the Jews after they've already left. Let's say it's Yitzhiyah's Mitzvah. Let's say it's Kriyas Yamsuf. Let's say it's some future event. Once that happens to the Jews, they'll look back and retrospect and see, ah, Hashem was the one who took me out in the past from Mitzrayim. So the Rabbanon have a way of reading that always Hamotzi is the past tense. Says the Gemara, Mishtabu. So what comes out? Motzi is definitely good, but Hamotzi is the dispute. The Rabbanon say it is good, and Reb Nechemia says it's not good. Says the Gemara, Mishtabu, the Rabbanon, the Rabbi Zera, as Barazvid, Achmat, Reb Shimon, Barazvid, they were praising this person, to Adam Gadolhu, that he was a great person, who Baki Bebrachos, and he was a great expert in the laws of Brachos. So Amar Lahem, so uh, Rabbi Zera said to the rabbis, whenever this great person comes, have you, have you, have you, bring him over to me. Let me. I want to meet this person. So Zimna Chal, there was one time, he came, he took out bread, when he gave it to this person, how did the person make the bracha? This Barab's vid, he made a bracha of motzi. He didn't say ha motzi, he said motzi. So Amar, what was Reb Zeir's response? This is the great person who is such a big expert in brachos. Had he said Hamoti, Ashmina, time Ashmina it would be good because he'd be telling us something of reason and he'd be informing us what the halacha is. Because remember, Hamoti is controversial to Machlokas. So to say Hamoti would be good. He's teaching us something of reason and teaching us that the halacha is like the Rabbanon. He's doing something for us. El Damar Moti, but if all he said was Moti, Michael Ashmalan, what's he doing? What's he informing us? So the Gemara is saying a very strange thing. 
Because Hamotzi is a machlokas, if you ask him like the Rabbanon, it's actually better to say Hamotzi to show that the rule is like the Rabbanon. It's a very interesting concept. Meaning Motzi, you're safe. Everybody says you're good. Hamotzi is the machlokas. So Reb Zeira is saying that if this guy is really an expert in brachos, let him say Hamotzi. Let him teach me something. It's an interesting concept. And the Gemara even brings back, the Gemara says, well, so the Gemara responds back. Why did why did this person say motzi The Gemara was saying, well, he didn't want to get involved in a machlokas, so he just said motzi. But Reb Zeir was critical, and the Gemara finishes off. The halacha, in fact, is ha motzi. Passing like the Rabbanon that it's past tense. So the Gemara leaves you in a very unclear place. So the Yerushalmi uh, actually tells us what's going on here. I mean, the Yerushalmi is bothered. We're saying Motzi is good, but we're still saying you should do Ha-Motzi like the Rabbanon. Why? Why is there a preference to do Ha-Motzi? Motzi is certainly good, and there's no dispute. So why would you dafka do the thing that's a dispute? Oh, because the Halakha is like the rabbis? But we don't dafka look for dispute. So the Yerushalmi says an interesting reason, that we never like a word that ends with the same letter of the next word that begins. So Olam. Olam ends with a mem, and Motzi begins with a mem. We don't like that because the words run together. So we prefer saying Ha Motzi so that the words don't run together. That's what the, uh, the Yerushalmi says. Uh, Rav Kook actually said a different idea. He, he, he said that if Hamoti is mashma the past, as you see in the Gemara, Hamoti, it's a little, I'll be honest with you. I think what he says in a way contradicts the Gemara. You tell me what you think. He says we prefer to say Hamoti because it is the past, but it also represents the, the present and future as well. So it's a better word. Motzi is only the, is only the past. Hamoti is the past, according to Rabbanon, but it also can mean the present and the future. So therefore, if anything, it's a better articulation of our greatest praise for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Pashtas, the Gemara says, not like that. Because the Gemara brought a source that Hamoti means the past. The Gemara brought a source that Hamoti can mean the future. And the Gemara had to defend, no, that over there, Hamoti also means the past. It sounds like from the Gemara that we need to say something that only means the past. But Akhubadim, that was the idea you wanted to bring out. And that is, the truth is that the most important to remember is just what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that the Allah is like the Rabbana, that is Hamoti. But Moti, certainly everyone agrees you are Yotze. Says the Gemara, al Yerakos. We said regarding vegetables. What was the bracha on vegetables? Vegetables are Ha'adam. Ketoni Yerakos dumi pas. It said Yerakos right next to bread. Because it said... And with the exception of bread, because bread is hamotzi. So ma'pas neshanei they are just as bread is something that was changed by fire. Fire changed flour, changed the dough into bread. After rakos namishin neshanei they are the Mishnah that said that vegetables haradama implied that we're also talking about vegetables that were cooked. Now, what? Where is that implication coming from? Because it says on vegetables you say adama, except for bread that's hamotzi. Well, every bread is cooked. So if a cooked vegetable is never ha'adama, then the Mishnah is not really saying a good point. All vegetables are ha'adama except for bread. Well, if bread wouldn't be an exception and it would be ha'adama, but if you cook any vegetable, it wouldn't be ha'adama anymore, then it's not a true statement. So the implication in the Mishnah, therefore, is that a cooked vegetable is ha'adama. That's the Gemara's diuk. This teaches us shlakos. Shlakos means cooked item. But specific in our term, shlakos is going to refer to a cooked vegetable. The halacha is mavarach and And really the Gemara is in the, about to get into, it's a big, broad issue. Which is when you have a raw uh, item, something intact, that's a pre, and then you cook it, does cooking change its property and it's no longer a pre? Or is it considered to be in the same form and it is the pre? That's the essence of the question. And the one of the nafkaminas is what we're dealing with, the laws of brachos. Should a cooked vegetable be adama or only shahaka? So now the Gemara tells us that really tamach lokeh. He says over in the name of Rav, 
However, it says Ula reports in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that actually Shalakos should be Shahakal. So which one is it? Is it Shahakal or is it Adama? It looks like it's a dispute. Says Rav Chista, I come up with my own um, compromise. Anything that the bracha was originally and if you cook it, it turns into a shahakal. Anything which was originally shahakal, then it turns into a prayer when you cook it. So let's understand what Rav Chista is saying. There's two issues. Number issue, issue in general is, are you changing something when you cook it? Rav Chista holds 100%. It's a changed item. So if you add an item that was and you cooked it, it would lose its and would become shahak. However, Rav Chista is also introducing another issue. Not every raw vegetable is ha'adama. A vegetable is ha'adama when it's eaten in its most ideal form. In the ideal form to eat it, where it's naturally supposed to be eaten, the best way, that's when you say ha'adama. So certain vegetables aren't like that. There are certain vegetables, for example, the Gemara is going to say in one second, a leek. A leek is not usually eaten raw. It's not meant to be eaten raw. So if you eat a raw leek, you're taking the non-optimal type of hanah from the pre. You don't say pari pri you say shahakal. If you cook the leek, now you have the ideal most format to how you take hanah from the, from the vegetable. That's when you say pari pri But vegetables that start off as pari pri meaning their ideal, the regular form, when they're a raw vegetable, this is a good, normal, ideal way to eat it, you say, Adama. those vegetables, once you cook, they become shahakal. That's the shot in Rav Chista's compromise. Now, Rav Chista is not saying that there was no dispute. Let's just clarify. There definitely was, there is a dispute on our hands if that is true. Some opinions held no. When you cook something, it's still the original form and it still retains its Adama, even if it is eaten raw. Rav Chista is reaching a compromise. Rav Chista is saying, well, I hold that shlakos do bring, bring, bring something shahakal, but I only say that on a type of vegetable that's usually eaten raw, then when you cook it, it turns into a shahakal. But a vegetable that's not usually eaten raw, then the opposite. When you eat it raw, you say shahakal, and then when you cook it, it actually becomes adama. And now the Gemara is going to give us some examples. So the Gemara says, what happens? An example is something which is originally shahakal. But when I cook it, it turns into Adama. The Gemara gives us three examples. So we have, we have leek, some sort of cabbage. Which one is which? Silka, silka is leek, right? So Karva and Kro. Cabbage, beans, and Kro is the gourd, right? What'd you say? Pumpkin? Yeah. Pumpkin. Okay, good. So those are, those are three things which are not usually eaten raw. We had the pumpkin before on, on Shabbos. These are something that's not usually eaten raw. So if you eat them raw, then they're shahakal. When you cook them, they become barapriyadama. That's good three illustrations of those. But how do you have the other way? How do you have something that's originally adama, that, but then when you cook it, it turns into shahakal? So we would answer uh, most things, right? Like, was that so hard to figure out? Like anyone today would say, a carrot, right? But you have to understand, they didn't live the way we live today, right? We're eating everything raw, like the way we are. They didn't have, like, people just eating raw carrots. This is a, a, a new invention. It wasn't like that. So, Now, this is very, 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 very troublesome. But the Gemara gives garlic as an example of something that's usually eaten raw, but when it's cooked, it becomes shahak. So what are we supposed to do with this? This is the big problem. It seems like back in the Gemara's time, they're eating garlic raw. And they were making, the Gemara gives as an example of something that you make, and then when you cook, it becomes a shahak, because shlakos become, they lose their brach when you cook. So 
It's a very difficult thing, bottom line. Uh, after all is said and done, I recommend that you make a shahakal and raw garlic today. And I would think, personally, if you fry garlic in, 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 if you fry garlic in, some, in some oil, I would recommend making a lot of Now, let me just clarify something. And I'll tell you what I, why it's complicated. Taisa says, what's going on? The Gemara is saying that when you have adama, but it, when you cook it, it's not as good. That's the key. So therefore, you say shahak. But Taisa says, we see, we put in garlic and meats and all sorts of things, and it tastes very good. So Taisa says, you know what? It's not the garlic that's tasting good. It's just the meat flavor and everything that's tasting good. And what the point of Taisus is trying to say, and Mr. Brewer elaborates on it, that if you haven't really the ideal form of the garlic to eat would be raw. The reason everything is doing the cooking and tasting good is because it's seasoning and it's being made there. But that's the reason you put the garlic in. You're not doing something that, hey, this is the way the garlic would be eaten best. That's the way the Mishnah Brewer understands the Tyson and the Gemara. So the Mishnah Brewer writes that if you want to make, you know, some, some toasted, roasted garlic, fried garlic, and you're not even mixing it with something else, and you're frying it to make a toasted, roasted garlic or something like that, it's straight up Adam, no question. Because you're making it to be in the form where it's going to taste good. The whole svar that's being given to us in the Gemara with the Rishonim is because of the fact that you're mixing it with other things, like putting it in a meat, in a roast, where it's meant to be more of a seasoning, and we don't say, oh, the garlic's in the best form to be eaten. But if you would fry something like that, fry a garlic, roast a garlic, it should be Adama. And additionally, if you're in a place, which I think definitely is our culture today, we don't eat raw garlic, then the bracha should be shahakal and raw garlic. And they're independent issues, as we see according to Rav Chista. So, and I'll give you another example where this comes out very strongly. Onions. So it's something like a purple onion. I don't think there's any question you say adama when you eat it raw. There's no question. It's mean in salads, it's eaten raw. There's no, there's, no, there's no issue whatsoever. What about, you know, a regular white onion you eat it raw? Some people do it. I think it's bracha should be shahakal. Most people agree to that. But what about a fried onion? That's a very complicated question. So if I put an onion into some sort of dish, into a soup, into a roast, into something like that, pastors, that's what you're showing are telling us, and the bracha is only shahakal, there's no adama on the onion. However, if you fry an onion straight up, I think you're in good company. Pashas, it should be like the Mishnah Brewer writes with garlic, the same thing. You're making the onion in the most ideal way. Pashas, the fried onion, should in fact be uh, Adama, I think. If you put a dish, isn't it buckled to whatever dish you make? Depends. It depends. The etim, yes. But it depends. And what we'll learn, Iker and Tafel, you'll see it's, it's usually probably right, but there will be scenarios where it could come up. There will be scenarios where Iker and Tafel won't necessarily work. Okay. Says the Gemara. Now again, it's really a dispute. So shlak was you make a adama, it still is intact. Says you know what I say? It's really a machlokas tanam. And now the Gemara gets very lumdish very quickly. The Tanya it says in the bright so we go to the laws of matzah. Matzah has to be bread. Bread, we learned yesterday, is a baked item. If I boil dough and I try to eat that as matzah, that's not matzah. You're not yotze. So I take here, I take matzah, and then I boil it. So yotze and baraka gashorim uvushal shalimot ever mayor says you could be yotze with this wafer, with this wafer of matzah that was soaked in water, or if it was boiled, as long as it didn't disintegrate fully, Rabbi Mayer's position is that it still is bread. Once it was baked, it's baked. And even if I boil it or soak it in water afterwards, it retains the shame of lechem. It doesn't lose that, and I could be yotze matzah with that. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Rabbi Yotze, Yomar Yotze, Barak Kashari. If I just soak it in water, I could still be yotze. However, I have a little bit of a bushel. If I cook 
matzah in water, it is no longer is no matzah. Even if it didn't disintegrate. So what's the machlekes on our hands? The machlekes on our hands is, is a bishol that I do to bread going to change it from being bread? That's exactly our issue that we're learning here. Will bishol that I do to a vegetable stop it from being a vegetable? In other words, what the Gemara is trying to figure out is if I have a product, and I cook it, is it a different product? Is it something else? So look at the comparison. The same way there's a machlokas tanom, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. Will the cooking of the matzah change it from being matzah, being having make it lose a chain lechem? So to here, will a vegetable be considered a different item when it's cooked? A very difficult, difficult, difficult comparison. I will mention just one important thing. There's a big machlokas on Shabbos. The rule is ain't bishel achar bishel. However, when once something is cooked, you're allowed to reheat it. It's not considered cooked. What about bishel achar afiyah? Let's say I have something that is uh, baked, like let's say matzah, and I want to put it into uh, a hot soup, not in a bowl that's a cliche, maybe a cliche on your table, but I want to put it in a, the, a real bowl of chicken soup, you know, like the pot itself that's a cliche. Can I do that? So the Uraim says, well, according to Rabbi Yossi, you see that it's being cooked after it's being baked. You see that the cooking has a, a the cooking process takes effect. It's no longer going to be considered a baked item. It will be nullified. It will be considered to be not lechem anymore. It will be a cooked item. So you see that yesh bishal achar This is the source in all of Torah for the concept of yesh bishal achar An unbelievable thing to know that's where it comes from. And anyways, the, what, what our Gemara is relating to us is that shlokos, if you make barbi adama or not, should be totally in the machlokis tanon, yir v'tin rabbi meir and rabbi yasi. Says the Gemara v'lohi, it's not a good comparison. Everybody agrees shlokos are barbi adama, meaning the cooking does not change the form. I, why is Rabbi Yossi saying you can't be Yotze with matzah that's cooked? There's a new din. Not only do I have to eat a chefsa of matzah, I have to eat matzah that tastes like matzah. Veleka. Once I cook it, yes, it's still matzah, but it lost the taste of matzah. It tastes like something different. Here the variable isn't taste, the variable is it the pre? Even Rabbi Yossi will agree. So the Gemara is telling us that there's a new din by matzah. It's not enough that I eat matzah. I have to eat matzah that's supposed to taste like matzah. And if it won't have that taste of matzah, I'm not yotze. Now many people ask on this Gemara that the Gemara Psachim says that if a person doesn't chew at all and they swallow matzah whole, they even swallow it, the Gemara says, in like a little wrapping, and they just swallow it whole, they're yotze. You don't have to taste the matzah. There's no din you have to taste the matzah. So what's our Gemara talking about? So most of you shouldn't say that the Gemara means that the matzah has to be a chefzah that could be tasted. You don't have to taste the matzah. You can swallow it all and still be yotze. But the matzah, a chefzah of matzah is something that has the taste of matzah. So even though essentially it's still bread once it's been cooked, because cooking does not overall change its form, and shlokos are really bread, but the Gemara is still saying that the matzah, once it's been cooked, you can't fulfill your mitzvah anymore because it's not the item that can give you the proper taste of matzah. Says the Gemara, Rabchiyabar Abba, who's a Talmud from Rabbi Yochanan, said, Shlakos Haradama. Rabbi Yaman Bar Yefes from Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yaman Bar Yefes is also a disciple of Rabbi Yochanan. He quotes Rabbi Yochanan as saying something different. Shlakos Barak Lav Shakalim Bidro. So they're arguing about what Rabbi Yochanan said. Earlier, Ula said that Rabbi, that Rabbi Yochanan said it was Shahakal. You know where he got his mistake from? He got his mistake from Rabbi Yaman Bar Yefes. Rabbi Yaman Bar Yefes was the one who reported Rabbi Yochanan said Shahakal, and that mistake went into Ula's mind, and that's where he got it from. Says Gemara, How are we even like quoting them like equally here? Like Rabbi Yomar Bar Yefes said something? Rabbi Bar Abba is on a way higher level. So if they're having a dispute about what Rabbi Yochanan said, Rabbi Bar Abba is on one side, Rabbi Yomar Bar Yefes is on the other side, you're going to even quote Rabbi Yomar Bar Yefes? 
He was a Medayik. He knew how to be exact. And he would review what he said. He wasn't a Dayik. He wasn't exact. How are you even quoting him? Every 30 days, Rabbi Yochanan would go in front of Rabbi Yochanan and review all of his learning. Rabbi Yochanan didn't do anything like that. And a third point. Bar Mindain, Ubar Mindain, except for this and except for this, meaning not only those two points, another point. Hu Tarmusa, there was once a Tarmusa. How do we translate Tarmusa? Tormus, wonderful. The Shalakale Sheva Zimni Bikadeira, it was cooked seven times, it required a lot of cooking. They cooked it seven times in a pot. And they were eaten for dessert. Also, said, is this cooked Tormus? And he said, it's Hadama. So what do we clearly see? Shlakazar Adama, not Shahakal. The ode and a fourth point. I saw Rabbi Yochanan. He ate a Zayas, an olive, which was Maliach, an assaulted one. And he made a bracha in the beginning and on the end. Now, what we really see in the Gemara, and a very important thing, what does salting have to do with cooking? Right, we're talking about shlokas, a salted one. So Rashi says, well, there's a principle of Masechus Pesachim called Moliach Kerosach. Moliach Kerosach means that, let's say, you know, Blios transfer, he transfers Blios, make things transfer. Two cold things, if they touch each other, maybe you wash off residue, we don't have to do more. But if they were salted things, then what's the halacha? The Blios transfer. So the things that are salted are treated like they're hot. So that's a principle in the laws of the kitchen and Ilchus Kashras. But we're applying that here to Shlakos. The idea is that a salted item is a changed item. If cooking would change something, the Gemara, it's really incredible that the Gemara thinks this, but the Gemara thinks that salting should also make it a changed item. So let's say, for example, you know, you pickle something, you salt something, something like that, that would be a changed item. So like a pickle, a cucumber changed into a pickle would be the same discussion as a carrot that was cooked, whether it would still be Adam. It's fascinating that the Gemara equates it. So anyways, it says that when Rabbi Yochanan eats the salted olive, what did he do? He would eat it, and he made a bracha in the beginning and at the end. So, all right, that's wonderful. Why is that a proof? What bracha did he make, right? So the Gemara analyzes. If you say it's good that shlokos are still intact, and it's coming to say that originally he said eights, and then because it was an olive, it's from the Shiva Saminim, then afterwards he said, If shlokos are changed, and shlokos originally are shahakal, so it would be shahakal. What bracha do you make on the end? So, and all of us who read this Gemara would say, what kind of question is that? Of course, you say, Bari Nefashos. But as I mentioned yesterday, Bari Nefashos is a work in progress. It's something which developed more and more in the times of the Tanom and Amaram themselves. And definitely in the times of Rabbi Yochanan, it was not common to make a bracha of Bari Nefashos on Moshe Hakel items. And therefore, the Gemara is saying, if Rabbi Yochanan made a bracha before and after he ate the salted olive, it must be that salted olives are... And therefore, an ala michya is warranted at the end. But if shlokos would be shahakol, then Rabbi Yochum would make shahakol in the beginning, but we don't understand what bracha he would be making afterwards. Says the Gemara, no, maybe we could say, the Gemara says, maybe that's not the case. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan already was making barayin afashos rabos, even on shahakol items. And therefore, we can defend that when it says he made a bracha afterwards on the salted olive, it wasn't an ala michya. Shlok was not really, is not considered to be an olive anymore, but in fact, it was just a barayin afashos. Says the Gemara Master, Rabbi Yisrael Bar Shmuel, still continuing the discussion about shlokos. Yerbako shadim yosef emidei chabasu ba 
a type of vegetable we're talking about for mara. What 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 is it qualifies to be a kosher mara at the seder? So any vegetable, the Mishnah lists a whole bunch of you know herbs, and then the Mishnah says anything that you could be yotze with yotze you can use them or their stalks. You can't use them if they're kavush. Kavush means like they sit in a liquid, like like a brine. You can't use them if they're overcooked or cooked. So meaning if I would take some, you know, some, 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 some vegetable that's supposed to be mar, and I cook it, and I eat it, I'm not yotze my obligation of mar. So what's the pshat? If you say that shlokos are still in their intact form, and shlokos are prepriyadama, amailo, why can't you be yotze? Must be that the shlokos removes it from its form. It's no longer considered to be that. So the mar says, no, shani yasin tvinu tamar very similar to what we learned by matzah. Really, it's adama. Really, it's still a vegetable. That's not the question. It's still a pre. But by mar, there's a new din of tam. The din of tam requires that it still has the tam. And once it's cooked, it no longer has the same uh, sharp, it no longer has the same sharp taste. Shkayach.